Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of who? The Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. I want to focus on verse 3, where it says to give unto them beauty for ashes. Today's subject is what goes down must come up. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah 61 is prophetic of the coming of Christ to redeem mankind, not only to open up and bring healing to the nation of Israel, God's originally chosen people, but for also to open up to the Gentiles and the entire earth. In fact, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he read from the book of Isaiah chapter 61 when they opened the scrolls, and all the eyes in the house were fastened on him as he read. And then he looked at him square in the square eyes and said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your eyes. And we know then that it was prophetic of the restoration that would come exclusively and only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by redemption and forgiveness of sin through his shed blood. It gives for us a picture that all wreck and ruin caused upon and by humanity through their sinful nature can in fact be redeemable if and when men repent and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And you're with me this morning. And so I love the prophetic application. Uh, it is the truest sense of what we need to have to understand this passage, but if you want to get a more nuanced understanding, meaning a more uh, practically applicable understanding to your specific life today, we want to ask ourselves, how does this help us today in 2023 at Washington Heights Baptist Church? And I want to simply point out that of all 
the benefits that were promised to the nation of Israel and to the world through the person of Jesus Christ, those are immediately available for you and I by grace and through faith in Jesus' name. And I'm particularly interested in focusing in on, uh, not because it's the only thing mentioned, but it's the one that the Lord wants me to highlight this morning, is that work that he does of exchanging our ashes with beauty. That God can take what is otherwise deemed as useless and or destroyed and make something completely new and beautiful out of it. I'm glad that I experienced this personally when I saw the Lord Jesus Christ step into a family some years ago. Uh, back in the 1990, uh, September the 9th, uh, uh, actually I could rewind it back two years before that in 1988 when my father got touched by the gospel and he was a drunk for 20 years until that day. And that day the Lord touched him and forgave him of his sin, made him a citizen of heaven, gave him power to overcome his addiction and to be a brand new daddy. And he came home and began to take us to church where the gospel was preached. Next thing you know, one by one, actually all at once, he saved me and my two older brothers on that same glorious day. And God took a family otherwise doomed for failure and turned them around and set our feet on a solid rock and established our goings. And He made a miracle out of a mess. Can somebody say amen? I, I'm telling you that it don't matter what sin has done in your life, what your habits have done, what your, uh, what your secrets have done to you or your family, there is always redemption and there is power in the name of Jesus make something beautiful out of what remains little is what remains may be. Amen? I mean, what can one do with ashes? If you were to take, for example, a, a, a structure, a building of some kind, and, uh, and you look at a before and after picture of an all-consuming fire, and you see the beauty of what that building might have been before it was destroyed, and then you see the pile of ash afterwards, and you would think to yourself, there is no beauty that compares the ashes and just rubble. You might as well just scrape it off and start over again. But I'm glad to tell you that nothing goes to waste in the hands of God. And even your ashes are valuable in His hand. Can I get an amen? I'm glad that I serve a Lord that does not throw the clay away. Amen. I'm glad I serve a God that knows what to do with leftovers and, uh, and He knows what to do with what everybody else would throw away yes. and everybody else would say it's useless. Amen. Even the church folks sometimes overlook people thinking yeah. they're a lost cause. Uh, but I'm glad that when everybody else gave up on me, Jesus yeah. yes. uh, saw Amen. what He could do in this old wretch. Amen. Amen. And He came and I believe He made a beauty out of ashes. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. And I want to tell you that in your life, what goes down must come up. This is not only applicable as it relates to salvation and Him giving you a brand new life and a new purpose for living, but this is also applicable if and when God's children go through fiery trials that destroy that which is precious to us. Yes. That somehow or another, that redemptive work can do something with your ashes that you would have never dreamt 
possible. Right. Now, if you want to know a little bit about what the Lord showed me, give me a hearty amen. amen. All right, let's, let's delve in here, and I will explain what's going on here momentarily. But first, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. There was a young preacher by the name of George A. Young who uh, wrote a famous hymn called God Leads His Dear Children Along. Many of you may have heard it and sung it growing up. Uh, young and a devout Christian and a little known preacher and carpenter. Uh, the exact details of his life aren't extensively documented, but the story behind this hymn is both powerful and inspirational. According to the most popular account, Young and his wife faced significant financial hardship throughout their lives. Despite these struggles, they remained faithful and committed to their work and calling. George Young was known for his deep spirituality and dedication to helping others. The story goes that at one point through immense sacrifice and effort, Young was able to build a small house for his family. However, Tragedy struck when the house was reportedly destroyed, some say due to malicious intent by those who opposed his ministry. But despite this devastating setback, Young continued to trust in God's guidance. And it was in response to this series of hardships and his unwavering faith that Young wrote the song we know as God leads his dear children alone. The hymn speaks to the idea that through all the trials and tribulations of life, whether in times of peace or struggle, God has always been guiding his children and the hymn has since become a beloved reminder of God's presence and guidance in the midst of life's storms. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like for me to read the lyrics to the song, I will do so at this time, I don't think I've got the voice to sing it. Uh, but it goes like this. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. The second verse says, sometimes on the mountain where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. And then it goes in verse 3, it says, Those sorrows befall us, and evils oppose. God leads his dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads his dear children along. Verse 4, away from the mire, away from the clay. God leads his dear children along. Away up in glory, eternity's day. God leads his dear children along. Along. Some through the waters, 
Some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. And God's children say, Amen. Amen. My point in bringing that story to your recollection this morning or informing you maybe for the first time is this. And you see one of uh, thousands, if you could track stories throughout history of men and women, boys and girls who faced extreme loss and difficulty, but somehow or another, by the grace of God and the person of the Holy Spirit, they were able to find a song in the midnight hour and they were able to produce something from which others could be fed. In fact, it, would, it could be said that millions have benefited from the lyrics so that's one little simple song and were it not for the fire were it not for the flood were it not for the destruction and the hardship that this young preacher went through uh, we would have never benefited from the, the, the fragrance of the rose of Sharon that lifts off the pages of that old hymn song and I'm here to tell you today that if you learn how to give your child to Jesus if you learn how to put your ashes in the hands of Jesus let me tell you something uh, I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know where, but something will rise up in you eventually, uh, and it'll be different than you ever thought it would be, and it'll be something you never dreamt possible, but some kind of way, God can bring up a song, and God can bless, uh, and bring up a beautiful, a rose-filled garden full of the fragrance of God's grace uh, to bless others with through your trial, and through my trial, if we learn how to let Him teach us to sing in our midnight hour. Amen. I'm talking about what goes down. In the hands of God. Must come up. If you look at God's character. And God's mission. And God's purpose. You discover over and over again. The overwhelming theme of God. In the Bible. Is a theme of redemption. That is taking the waste. And turning it into something beautiful and something exciting. And I'm just glad to announce to you this morning that if you're in the hands of God and your child of His, that none of your trials and none of your losses will go to waste. God somehow, some kind of way, will make it worth it all after a while, children of God. And I just want to encourage you this morning that what goes down must come up in the hands of God. To the destruction of service. Let's talk about that. As I was seeking the Lord to preach on this, uh, I, I was focused so much on the ash that I almost overlooked what was very apparent. And before you can talk about ash, you've got to talk about fire. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. And, uh, and the first thing that the Holy Spirit directed me to emphasize about fire, the fiery trials of life is that they are often disruptive in our lives. Yes, yes. Fire is disruptive. Yes. And God told me to go in there and disrupt the complete order of service mm -hmm. and use it as an illustration to teach our people that just like you disrupted the ordinary order of service and probably upset a few people, 
This is what it looks like when God allows fiery trials sometimes to come into our lives. It interrupts every expectation that we have. And it redefines our route and our expectation. And it kind of knocks us off and we don't know what to expect next. Uh, but it does put us in a vulnerable position and it teaches us uh, to just wait it out and see what happens next. Because when you're living by faith and not by sight, that is the whole point. Amen. Not that we can predict or manipulate or control God, but that we can trust Him even when He don't make sense. Even when He don't ask our permission. Even when He does something different than what we would prefer or expect or predict. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. I'm telling you this morning, some of us have been disrupted by fires of trial in our lives that we didn't plan for, we didn't look for, we didn't hope for, we didn't pray for, didn't even agree to, but we're here. And what are we going to do with the disrupting fire that has come into our lives? Let me tell you a few things about the disruption of the fire first. You need to understand that when fire begins to disrupt, it begins to separate elements. In a fire, different materials react distinctly based on their composition. For instance, wood, when burned, breaks down into various gases, vapor, a water vapor, and solid carbon or charcoal. This separation can be seen as a metaphor for life's trials where different aspects of our character or beliefs are revealed and tested. The fact is, there's things in us that we don't know are even there, that don't look like Jesus, that don't represent His heart, that we don't even know are there until we're put to the test. Amen. And then it begins to separate our composition of character, our composition of motive. It, it begins to identify what's real and what's fake and what's, a, what's superficial and what's genuine and authentic. And, and, and it becomes a discerner of not only your thoughts, but the intentions of your thoughts. And it begins to reveal to you things in you that need to be extracted and things in you that need to be separated from the Holy One that lives inside of you. And if it weren't for the fire, we would not understand just how frail we are and how desperate we need Him. But thank God for the benefit of the fiery trial which is sent to try us so that we ourselves can learn our composition as God begins to separate the, the real from the fake, the true uh, from the untrue, amen, and the motive from the thought and the intention so that we ourselves can get an education that we cannot trust our flesh under any circumstance. Right. Amen. That's right. As long as we're prancing around trusting in our self-righteousness, God can't use us to full capacity. And the only way He can show it to us is burning out of us. Amen. That's hard and harsh, I know. But what is more cruel? To leave us in our delusion or to reveal truth to us that can draw us closer to Jesus than anything you've ever imagined. Exactly. Oh, you don't understand on the other side of the fire yeah. what it really means and how it really helps uh, but if you'll stay close to Jesus uh, he'll make it worth your stay he'll make it worth uh, your, your trial and your tribulation and your trouble and you'll learn uh, oh this don't look nothing like I thought it would but I sure am glad uh, 
for the benefit that I'm getting out of this because he's purging the impurities. He's showing me how weak and vulnerable and desperately wicked I am without him and how I need to stay close to him, not only when I'm down, but any time. Amen. When you're up or when you're down, you ought to be praising him. And that disrupting fire would begin to separate those things in your heart and mind and life. Amen. It also has a refining process. Fire is used. Somebody bring me some water, please. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Fire is used in refining metals like gold and silver. <clears throat> the intense heat melts the metal, allowing impurities to separ be separated and removed. Amen. This process is profound. It is a profound metaphor for spiritual refinement, as mentioned in Malachi chapter 2. Excuse me, chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. I'm not reading them. Uh, but it speaks of a refiner's fire purifying silver and gold and symbolizing the purification of believers. Amen. I want you to know that you can trust the disruptor. You can trust yes. him even when you don't understand it. You can trust him. Amen. I'm glad that he doesn't throw the clay away, aren't you? Amen. I'm glad that he don't discard us. He already knows what's in there. Amen. He, knows. he knows. We don't know because we're blind to it. If you take a set of piece of wood on fire, there's no way you can pull all those elements out of it without putting them through the fire. Exactly right. There's no way you can turn a tube of wood into a rich, a soil enrichment fertilizer without burning it up. Right. You say, what if God wants to enrich someone's else, someone else's life through your faith? What if somebody can only see the purity of God's heart through your response to your trial? What if it's all about exalting Jesus? Amen. I have a suspicion that that's exactly what it's all about. That God needs Christians that are not fair-weather Christians. That don't just sing when they're having a good day. But they can come in here even with their head hung low. But they're inspirable. Yes. It's not that they don't have their bad days, but 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 you start singing around them, and and, and, and it, it, they're at least contagious. They can they can pick up on the melody, and they can start singing before you know it. They can find that place, that inner one, and lives inside of them, and let him have his voice and be praised. Amen. And God's not looking for perfection in this flesh anyway, but He is looking for people that will magnify Him no matter what's going on in their lives. Amen. Oh, I'm thankful for the fire, aren't you? Yes. I never thought I could say that in all honesty and sincerity, but I'm thankful. I'm at least thankful for what the fire produces. Yes. Right. Oh, it hurts. Yes. It hurts bad. Yes. It's disruptive. Not only that, but point number two I want to make is this. It's destructive. Yes. It not only rearranges some things and extracts some things for repurposing, but there are some things that will completely destroy that's of no use to God or anybody. Yeah. And I think this is where we have our biggest problem with God sometimes, if I might dare to say that. So I don't have no problem with God, for you don't know what's wrong with you. 
Well, call me back on your biggest, hardest trials of your life and let's have another conversation. Because the human nature itself sometimes yeah. in the flesh has a problem with God. Yeah. Don't act like you're so spiritual and never at least question what in the world are you up to, God. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But God knows best. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. Did you know that you're created to worship God? Can I help you? You're created to worship Him. Oh, yeah. That means you're created with your lips to give praise and honor and glory and duty and allegiance to Him. But let me ask you something. David got to a point where he said, I will, uh, uh, I will, His praise will continually be on my lips. That means without pause, without skip, or without exception, what is it going to take for us to get there? That when we're angry, we still just praise the Lord. That when we're mad and bitter and frustrated, we're still, we're not going to allow those thoughts to take over our lips. But we're going to force our lips to do what they were created to do. And that is give Jesus Christ the glory. That's due to His name. We're going to quit our gossiping. We're going to quit our whining. We're going to quit our complaining. We're going to quit our mully grubbing and running people down and find a fault with everybody. And we're just going to throw up our hands and say, The Lord giveth and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know what it's going to take, but I can tell you this much. Uh, whoo, I hope it don't take long because this fire is hot. Amen. Amen. When... A grape is pressed, it produces fruit juice. Right? When the olive is pressed, it produces oil. When you're pressed, do you produce praise or complaint? Now, what we like to do is we like to agree that certain types of pressure will praise God under. But the other types of pressure is up for negotiation. Like, I'll, I'll accept this kind of trial, but I, I don't know how good I'll do over here, you know. Like, like we're okay if we have a, a personal private loss and we can keep it contained, but when it gets to how other people talk about you, are you still going to praise the Lord or are you going to get all upset and all been out of shape and, and get thrown off your game with Jesus because of something somebody else said or did to you? You know what we'd all benefit from as a church members of Washington Heights Baptist Church is get our eyes off each other and get our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Amen. That goes for all of us. Amen. If you have a problem with me or if I have a problem with you, we ought to do what the Bible says. Go to each other and, 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 and handle it one-on-one. -on -one. That's right. Amen. Instead of talking to everybody else about our grievances and complaints. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 And we ought to learn how to give God praise otherwise. Don't ever let the devil put you in a bind or a vice grip that produces something besides oil or juice, joy, juice of the Holy Ghost coming from your spirit. That fire will disrupt you 
but it will destroy what God wants to do is destroy our propensity and our tendency uh, to allow our mouths to vocalize something besides praise to Him. Yes. Lord, help us this morning. Yes. The Bible says the mouth is a, an unruly member. It's full of deadly poison. Mm -hmm. right. Oh, it a matter a little fire kindleth. There's only one fire hotter than the fire of man's tongue, and that's the fire of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he shall baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What is God's fire going to do? It's going to put out your fire and replace it with his. And forgive me for saying so, but if a Christian says they're spirit-filled, but their tongue is unbridled, they don't know what spirit-filled even means yet. Because the first thing the Holy Spirit does is take control of your tongue. And I'm not talking about necessarily speaking in an unknown language either. I'm talking about when you, what comes out of you is going to produce uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, faithfulness, gentleness, all the tempers against such there is no law. If you say that you have the gifts of the Spirit but you don't produce the fruit of the Spirit, you probably have neither. Amen. God puts that fire into our lives to destroy our propensity to complain when we should be praising. Amen. I wonder how much revival will break out in America across the, well, how many, 40-some thousand, 60, I done lost count, uh, tens of thousands of Southern Baptist churches and every other denomination that believes in Jesus Christ, how much revival will break out if God's fire purified our tongues from all of our complaining mm. oh. and produced praise in its place? Yes. My goodness, it done got heavy in it. Mm -hmm. Destruction. The destruction transforms whatever is burning into ash. Now, the transformation of materials into ashes symbolizes. The end of one form and the beginning of another. Mm -hmm. Ashes in many traditions represent mourning or repentance and humility. But they also symbolize the potential for new growth as ashes can enrich soil. This duality reflects the Christian journey of dying to oneself and rising again in newness of life as found in Romans 6.4. You know, God wants the resurrection power of Christ to prevail in our lives. And yes, He'll even use fire, if need be, to yes. produce that effect. Amen. You see, redemption not only comes in and fixes things that are already broken, but are you ready for this one? It breaks things that need breaking so they can be made anew. Amen. 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 I want to say that again. Sometimes God will break it first yeah. before He fixes it. This goes for our man-made religious church structure. We have what we call buffers. Have y'all ever bowled with the buffers up? Keep the, keep the ball from going in the ditch, especially if you had kids or little toddlers or whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have in our church what we call a program. And it's kind of like a buffer zone. We can wiggle a little bit here and there, but you go off in the left, the, the gutter on either side, it upsets people. Yeah. Uh, 
Amen. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We done gone on Pentecostal with some of them. So. <laughs> Here's my point. That in that in the grand scheme of things should be the last of our concerns. Because the essence of Christianity is not the formality of any given church service, but it is what content comes forth from the teaching and the preaching of that ministry for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Yes. And that can be uh, manifest in many different constructs of church order. Mm -hmm. But what, what if God were to take out our man-made buffer zones that have put too much of a tight hold, grip hold on God? That well, we can go and have church, but we can't have it any any more than past twelve o'clock, some might say. Or, or we can we can we can do songs, but we need to we need to have no more than two because we've got to hurry on through. <coughs> or, 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 or we we need a good preacher, we need a fiery one, but he needs to. Pretty much promote what we've always promoted and, 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 and ensure that we just go on. Uh, we want an innovative pastor. We want one that will help grow the church, but we don't want to do anything different than we've ever done. Right. So we build all these constructs of repetitious religious uh, requirement and expectation and expect and even demand God to do His movement within the confinements of our buffer. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, He will sometimes completely destroy any of our expectations and start all over again. Because we get so ingrained in the human nature of repetitiveness that we get sleepy with the mundane. And we get sleepy and we need to be awakened. Yes. And so God keeps it interesting. This might keep wanting to fall off my head for some reason. I don't know why, but anyway. <laughs> it's trying to disrupt me. <laughs> Alright, so destruction then. God will sometimes rip our little religious methodology to shred, blow it to the wind through the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Say, now let's get down to business. Mm -hmm. Let's do what I want to do. In the order that I want to do it. Amen. In churches today, uh, they got these little boxes to check off. These little windows uh, that fill in this color in this box and that color in that box. I remember one time in kindergarten, I was, a, I was, I was coloring in a, a, a picture with crayons and, and, and uh, it had a, a shoelace loop on it. And, and, and I was just happy filling in all of the spaces. And I feel in a part of the shoelace. It wasn't the shoelace. It was the air. And, and, and I got a, a, I got a frowny face or a grade on my, on my picture. And you know, a lot of times a preacher will come in and just follow the Holy Ghost, and you know what it gets on the way out? A frowny face put on what he did because it wasn't according to the expectations of men. Amen. And you see the frowny faces as you walk past you. Sometimes they don't even want to walk past you because they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to deal with you. I can't believe that preacher would act like that. I can't believe that preacher would say that. I can't believe that preacher would. Who does he think he is? He just needs to do his thing, which is preach and let us do everything else. Where in the world in the Bible does it say a pastor should only preach? Right. Amen. Case in point. Yes. Pastors should provide and take the oversight thereof. Right. There should be not one part of a church's functioning 
that goes without the spiritual oversight and supervision of the pastor that y'all sent to that church. The Hickens or anybody else have no business holding private meetings without the church or the pastor. Nobody about them giving the option to attend if he feels like he needs to. That's where churches get in trouble. That's how pastors get voted out. They hold private meetings, amen, and they talk enough people into uh, uh, believing in a complaint. Next thing you know, you've got an insurrection in the body of Christ. Why? Because some man's trying to do it through some uh, method of manipulation and men are creating the Holy Ghost wants to disrupt all and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, it is. Amen. So, that's a, that, you know, that fire will disrupt things, but it will destroy some things. And that's why people get so upset with real Bible preaching because it does not take counsel with their ideas Amen. and their personal preferences. It does not give heed to nor yield to men's objections. It simply states what is and it is what it is. Take it or leave it. God said what he said. He's not going to change it for you or me or Donald Trump or anybody else. Amen. Amen, bro. Amen. What God said, God said. Amen. And shame on the churches today that still have church on their sign and they're doing junk like marrying homosexuals in the pulpit. Oh, yeah. Shame on them. Shame on them. Because God said what He said on the matter. I can't change it for you. If I did change it, it didn't change what God said. It just created a false replica of what God said. It wasn't even a replica. It wasn't even close. It's a counterfeit. And you'll never have peace trusting in a counterfeit. People can create a religion of their own. It's called a golden calf theology. They'll set up an idol that they want to worship. This is our religion. This is the way we believe. Well, uh, your truth is not my truth. First of all, none of us own truth. God owns God. truth. It's not your truth or my truth. It's his truth. Because he is truth. Jesus was the personification of truth. Jesus is who he is. He's the most controversial figure in all of human history. But calls to some, he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of valley and the bright and morning star. To others, he is a terror. Amen. Because he frightens them and he holds them to the light of his fire. And if they don't repent, it'll grind in the powder. Yes. Controversial. But true. It's not our truth. And since we don't own it, we can't twist it. Yes. Lawsuits today are won in many a court over people stealing intellectual property yep. and twisting it a little bit trying to make it look like their own original content. Amen. And yet we think we can subvert God's truth and make it our own and do the same thing. There's coming a reckoning a day when you will not get past the judgment throne of Jesus Christ and you'll give an account for every idle word. We have no business insisting on doing things culture's way. Amen. So it's going to be a destructive fire. It's going to destroy anything that's impure. And then I'm going to talk about not only its uh, destruction, and we already mentioned 
uh, the destruction, but I want to talk lastly about the new direction that it brings. New direction. Well, first, let's think about a positive element of the fire. It produces energy. Fire releases energy. This aspect can be likened to the way spiritual fervor or trials can release or unveil new strength, new resilience, or insight in a person's life. I remember the first church I pastored where I really truthfully first started experiencing religious opposition. And no one this one. <laughs> it's on my first rodeo, honey. <clears throat> and what I remember most distinctively about that experience is it woke me up and set me on fire. It didn't make me any better for me, it just made me worse. Because I was letting God counsel me and not men. And every time I went back to the throne, I said, okay, God, you hear what they're saying? What do you say? He said, hunker down, dig your heels in deeper, and keep preaching. Amen. So when I come back to the pulpit next time, I didn't shy down or back off. I just turned up the heat a little bit. <laughs> Some of you experienced that around here. Oh, my goodness, don't say nothing to the preacher. He'll be in the sermon next Sunday. That's what some of you are afraid of. I, I don't normally uh, plan it that way. Sometimes it happens. But but the, the, the biggest favor God did for me in my preaching ministry was sent the opposition. Yes. Because with the right response, it'll either bring you down or bring you up. Bring you strong. And the Holy Spirit told me in that particular environment, He said, preach your way up or preach your way out, but don't preach your way down. Amen. 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 Y'all either grow together as a church or I'll have something else for you if they reject it. But you just keep preaching my book. That's what God told me. And that's been my motto ever since. I'll preach my way up or I'll preach my way out. I'm not going to preach my way down. That's right. Amen. So there's nowhere down to go. When God shows you the heights of His Word and the purity of it, there's no, there's no lower ground to follow with. I, I have no business trying to, uh, trying to oil, spoil this man-made when I have the purity of God's Word to preach. Why would you want me to preach anything but God's Word? Amen? That's right. Oh, goodness. And that fire will begin to uh, re-energize you yes. as it brings new direction. Because here's the thing that destruction forces you to do. It forces you to say, okay, what now? Mm -hmm. You remember when 9-11 hit? Those of you that were alive back then and all of that remember uh, it forced our nation to its knees and seek direct new direction for our country. Right. I'm sad to say it didn't take America long at all to forget God right. and go right back to the same old, same old, even worse. Amen. But destruction ought to force us to our knees and seek now what? Mm -hmm. New direction, new fire, new vigor. Okay, God, I don't have what I wanted to have left over after this trial. But what do you want me to do with what remains? Amen. How can we maximize your glory in this? You know, uh, I am not so naive as to think that if everybody in this community or this church is happy with Pastor Gary Cole, I'm probably not what some expected or wanted. And that's evident by some that have left us since I took the church. It's not all left because of me, but some of them I imagine did. I don't know that. I hope not. 
but at least the devil makes me want to thank everybody that he's called me. And that's a lie too. A lot of them were reassigned. But I can't spend my days studying the fluctuation of attendance and adjusting my preaching accordingly. Amen. Because that would make me a follower right. yes. and a puppet and not a leader. And that's where churches are at. They, they're either at a plateau or in decline because they're listening to the people instead of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And what happens when you listen to the people instead of the Holy Ghost is you get a, so many opinions of different things you shouldn't do that you're left with little or nothing that you actually can do biblically. And it's powerless. Amen. That's right. In just a matter of time, it'll drain the life out of yep. That's what a lot of churches are. But what about you now? Back off the church life in your personal life. What about you? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to teach you how to ask for new direction with your ashes? Or have you decided to just throw over the wind and give up on your walk with God? The other thing fire produces is light and warmth. Fire provides light and warmth, illuminating and comforting. And in a spiritual context, this represents the guidance and comfort provided by faith akin to the pillar of fire that guided the Israelites in the desert in Exodus chapter 13. Yes. And then, of course, the renewal of nature. I'm going to bring it to a close in nature. Some ecosystems depend on fire for renewal. Did you know that certain seeds... For example, only germinate after a fire. Uh -huh. That's right. Wow. That's this is huge. Did you notice some seeds of God in you will only germinate after a fire? That's right. This process can be seen as a metaphor for spiritual rebirth and growth that often follows periods of trial or burning away of the old. Except a quarter wheat die and fall on the ground and it bite up alone, but if it die, bring forth much fruit. Uh, we could talk about the decomposition of that seed. Some can only be apparently decomposed properly by fire. But some seeds just need to be planted in the earth and buried and covered up and forgotten about for a while. While the earth does its thing and decomposes the outer shell. Did you know that your outer shell is your flesh? And once you're, once you're dead to your flesh, the Spirit of God in you, that seed that remains in you can shine forth and produce fruit. Your flesh is the biggest enemy you've got. It's Amen. not the devil, and it's not me or this church. It's your flesh. Because your flesh will blame everything else, including the church, for your problems. Amen. But the ultimate big enemy you've got is the one you look at in the mirror every day of your life. That's your outer shell. If you let your flesh die to its own opinions, its own preferences, its own comforts, its own hunger and, 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 and appetites and lusts, and let the Spirit of God within you shine forth. You can produce fruit unto righteousness. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. We have uh, many cases what we can describe as the church of Corinth in our day. Fleshly, 
sensual devilish. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Allowing the flesh to rule and reign. Yeah. But may God subdue our flesh to the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our lives. Amen. So in conclusion, just as ashes enriched soil, God's refining fire and ashes produced thereby enriches the soil of your soul. It nourishes and transforms lives, making them fruitful. Yes. In Luke 8, 15, the Bible says, but that on the good ground are they, talking about the parable of the sower, uh, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Yes. If, if, your, if, if your heart is soiled, then God has sent a fire to enrich the soil of your heart. You have to have patience to give it time to be able to both receive the work that God's doing and produce the fruit from it. It doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it could be decades before the final song is sung about it. You may live past your legacy. I mean, you may die, you're, you may die before you see your legacy take root. You may not live long enough to see the why. But if you'll just put it in the hands of God and, and let Him produce the praise out of your life that is due His name, sooner or later, whether here or after you're dead and gone, that praise is going to rise up and people will know that your life counted for Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but this helps me. It helps me make a little bit of sense of the fire. I don't still understand how God's going to do it, what He's going to do specifically, but at least I know there's a process, and that, that's a big help for me, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So in your life, after everything is destroyed, that you held precious, if you'll put it in the hands of God, what went down must come back up. Because God will get some glory out of it one way or the other. Even if it wasn't his original intent, his work of redemption can make the best of an otherwise terrible situation. Yes. Joe, come to the piano. Yes. Family, come up and get ready to sing. Yes. We're going to have an invitation. And just as I disrupted the order of service this morning, the Holy Spirit don't want you to forget this lesson today. One day down the road, you're going to remember, well, that was a different service. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you why. Yeah, because I'm doing something different in your life. And it ain't going to look like you thought it was going to look. And it ain't going to feel like you thought it was going to feel and it ain't going to be like you thought it was going to be, but it's going to be far better if you let me handle it. And trust me with it. But we can't produce near the quality or purity or long-lasting effects or fruit that God's Spirit can produce.